you do every week? Yeah. Yeah. Who saw Lockie? Yeah. <laughs> Did you spot Lockie? Come down and couldn't wait for Dad to get to him so he could give his offering. <laughs> Unless you become like little children, you can't in- enter the kingdom of God. How's that a lesson for us? Amen. Good little man. Very good. Who likes cherry ripe? Who likes Turkish delight? Well, you're all out. I'm not giving that to someone who likes Turkish delight. Turkish delight is horrible. So why they even manufacture it, I have no idea. Disgusting stuff. Cherry Ripe. Who's seen the latest Cherry Ripe ad? Yeah? There's three parts to it. One part, you eat your Cherry Ripe and off you go on a motorcycle. I can't remember. The, anyone remember the second part? What the pert lady does in the second part? I can't remember what it was. The third part, there's some lady dancing around in the psychedelic. That didn't really appeal to me at all. But the first part did. As soon as this lady had had a bite of a cherry ripe, next minute she's zooming around the streets on this wonderful, it looks like a Triumph Thruxton. <laughs> this is a cafe racer, which probably means nothing to most of you. But to me, I'm thinking, oh, look at that. I've got to get a cherry ripe. <laughs> so last Thursday, I'm heading home and I had to get some stuff for tea, crawled into Kirkwood Woolies. Got my stuff, I've got to get a cherry ripe. Because I thought, if I get a cherry ripe, I'll hop in the car. Next thing, I'll be zooming along with my groceries going everywhere on this wonderful cherry red motorbike. It didn't happen. So I thought, what's going on here? The ad said, if I eat a cherry ripe, I can go on this beautiful motorcycle. And I thought, no. So I had to start thinking about it. And I thought, I know what I did wrong. I should have eaten it before I got out of the shop. <laughs> and it would have been sitting there waiting for me. No, that didn't work either. So I've come to think that perhaps, I think it's a uh, sexist ad. That it's for women. <laughs> I don't think that's fair. So women can eat a cherry ripe and go riding on this wonderful motorbike... That's just not good. So is there any lady here who, has, who doesn't like cherry, um, Turkish delight and has a motorcycle licence? I've got... No, we're not going to work for him. <laughs> Have you got a motorcycle licence? But you liked Turkish delight, didn't you? Oh. Are you telling the truth? Sure. I'll check. There you are. We'll wait to see you tomorrow riding around on your motorbike. (laughs) I'll now have to buy one on the way home. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things, things, thruxton things through Christ who strengthens me. How about that? See, it's not cherry ripes. It's being in Christ you can do all things. But you know, I think some people think that's what that scripture means. 
that I can do whatever I want because Christ strengthens me. Heaven forbid if I decided to be a brain surgeon. We would be in trouble. The previous verses say, James actually had them this morning. I thought he was going to steal my message. This is from the Passion Translation and it says, this is Paul speaking, the Apostle Paul. I know what it means to lack and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained in the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or in hunger. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. What a great passage of scripture. But see, Paul's not talking about riding a camel over the Sahara Desert or being the king of Israel. He's talking about whatever comes my way in life, I can handle it because of Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can endure whatever comes my way because of Christ. Let's see what Paul went through. There's a bit of a list in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll start at about 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labours more abundant. In stripes above measures. That means being um, flogged. In prison more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils. He should have got rid of the perils, shouldn't he? In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, sleeplessness, still can't say it, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, what's his key? How can, I mean, is God really with Paul? I mean, all this stuff, he's been in prison. Been in prison, he's been in trouble with the leaders and all sorts, he's been all sorts of perils. Is God really with him? How can he say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? How can he, how can he boldly declare that? Can I put it to you that he believed God was with him, with him in all that he did and everything he went through? We're going to look at Joseph this evening. Back in Genesis, I'm sure many of us would know the story of Joseph and his colourful coat. I think we've had movies of it and everything. Joseph, he was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Does that sound familiar? Whenever... God wanted to sort of stamp his authority or have someone understand who he was, he would say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And they'd go, oh, right, that one. And they'd understand. Joseph was, 
his father Jacob's favourite son. He had a coloured coat that made his brothers all jealous. And he had a dream that his parents and his brothers would bow down to him. And that really went down well with the brothers. He got told off by his dad. But then his dad said, hmm, I'll keep that in mind. It's interesting. So he was betrayed by his brothers. He'd gone to see them and they threw him in a hole. They were having lunch and a group of traders were coming and went past their front gate and heading towards Egypt. So they sold him to him and he ended up in Egypt. Imagine what that would be like. When you think these people probably didn't travel very far. I mean, we can think of nothing getting in the car and ducking down to Brisbane for a weekend and coming home again. Whereas Calliope might have been the furthest from here that he's ever roamed as they've been looking after the the flocks. And here he is, he's been taken to another country. I'm sure he wouldn't have spoken Egyptian. So he's been thrown in there as a slave. He's away from his family, his home, his homeland and dumped into a foreign land. He was 17. That would be scary. So let's look at Genesis 39. This is where all this has happened and he's in Egypt and he's been put in, the, put in the, uh, a house by a man named Potiphar. Starting at verse 1. Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. What did that just say? The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favour in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. Now I find that really interesting. I went to a ladies group on Wednesday morning. None of them had motorbikes. Maybe I'll have to get all you ladies a cherry ripe each. <laughs> um, and they were looking at, at Joseph, at this particular passage. And it really struck me that when Joseph went to Egypt, he sort of didn't take, he didn't duck into Kurong on the way and get his travel Bible that he could read and know all about the scriptures and everything he didn't even have scriptures that wasn't for another few hundred years before scriptures or Moses and all had written his or even more than that that had written those first five books all he had was the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob yeah. now that's not much to go on is it you know he, he didn't have how to live a Christian lifestyle. He didn't have the the fruits of the Spirit, how we're supposed to treat each other. He didn't have any of that. And yet the Lord was with him. So I find it amazing that the master of the house also recognised 
that the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was with him. How would he know who the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob was? He's an Egyptian, Pharaoh's God, and they've no doubt had many other gods as well. How would he know that? I've got no idea. I really can't enlighten you on that. Because it really doesn't say anything about how Joseph carried himself. He obviously did a good job. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been left in charge of the household. So somehow, with such little knowledge of God, he was able to present himself as a God follower of some description. It's amazing. Where am I? You know, it's interesting that when you quite often when we hear about Joseph, it's all about his dream. We start off because, as I said earlier, he had a dream. He actually had two dreams. The first one was about his brothers were going to bow down to him. Then he had another dream that his parents and his brothers were going to bow down to him. And we all work on this fact that Joseph got through what he did because he held on to that dream. I don't think I believe that anymore. If you read the story of Joseph, starting at chapter 37, going through the fifth, chapter 50 of Genesis when he drops dead, the dream is never mentioned again in any way, shape or form. So that tells me there's something way more important in Joseph's life than his dream. And can I put to you tonight... That the Lord was with him. <clears throat> the Lord was with him and made him successful and made all that he did prosper. He was so successful and prosperous he ended up in jail. There's something for those who want to be prosperous and successful, something to look out for. So obviously God was no longer with him. Yes? No, of course the Lord was still with him. You know, sadly, I hear Christians say things like that. There's two things that really sort of, I think, are you sure? When someone's done something or something's happened to them, oh, the Lord is not with them because they've sinned or they've done whatever. And, you know, the, the, God wasn't in the meeting can we check our theology, please? And if you said those things in the past, please make an effort not to do it again. You know, this week, since I think Monday, we've had in people who have belonged to this church, one person has been in palliative care and sadly passed away on Thursday, I think it was. We've had... One person have a heart attack and had to go to Brisbane. Another person who's had some problems with um, mental issues, is that the politically correct way to say that, has also now been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and early onset dementia. And I don't think that person's even 50 years old. Another person has had some legal issues which I 
from what I can gather, didn't work out real good. So obviously God's not with them. Is he? Otherwise they wouldn't be in those situations. I better not say that. I was going to say garbage, of course he is, but Sandy said you've got to be nice, so I won't. And now, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit isn't here or he wasn't in the meeting. Well, it's a funny thing. When I read my Bible, it says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Anyone disagree that Jesus isn't God? Well, that's good. Whew. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So if I go to a meeting and it's flat and boring, that's not because God's not there, because he's gone into the building with me. Let's turn to Mark, Mark chapter 6. This will be my argument to convince you of that. Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 1, and it says, Then he, so who was he? Sunday school answer, Jesus. Answer for everything in a Sunday school. Jesus is God, yes? Okay. So he went out from there and came to his, that's Jesus' own country, and his, Jesus' disciples, followed Jesus. And when the Sabbath had come, he, as in Jesus, as in God, began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him, Jesus, was astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now here's the key. Now he could do no mighty work there, so obviously God wasn't there because nothing happened. God was there. Except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. Verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He marveled because of their unbelief. No such thing as God not there. It's those that are there with God that are not believing he can do what he wants what he can do that was a bit sidetracked wasn't it God is with you let's go back to Joseph I hope I didn't upset you all too much with that one Joseph in 39 Genesis 39 and where are we 21 But here we are again. The Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was what? With him. him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So again, another guy saw that 
some God was with Joseph. And again, Joseph obviously displayed some attitude or, or abilities or whatever to show that to, this, to, the, to the jailer. So if we know the story of Joseph very briefly, he gets out of jail, he becomes the second in charge of Egypt under Pharaoh. He devises a plan, there's a famine coming and uh, he works it out so the, the government get all the grain and all the stuff that's needed for the famine into their hands and then they dish it out to the people. Uh, his brothers come across to Egypt because they'd heard that they had grain. He recognised them, they didn't recognise him and they, they went backwards and forwards and he did all tricks to them and, and put one of them, in, the youngest one, in jail or one of them in jail or something until uh, finally he declared who he was and uh, the family were all together and all the extended family were now in Egypt. <clears throat> so all was good until Dad died. And then the brothers thought, oh, here we go. Now Dad's out of the picture. We're going to cop it. But in Genesis 50, and it's verses 15 to 21, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messages to Joseph, saying, before your father died, he commanded, saying... Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, the place, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. They'd meant it for evil, but God had meant it for good. All that he went through, God was with him. That is the key, I believe, to Joseph's life. Not his dream. The fact that God was with him. The same as Paul, so that he can say in Philippians 4.13 that in all things, I can do all things through God, Christ who strengthens me. And it's the key to our life. That God is with us. How important is that? The knowledge that the Lord is with us no matter what our circumstances or how we're handling them is going. Who's ever done something wrong? Well, hopefully we'll have every hand in the... I'll pray for those that are lying after, if you like. Oh, no, Steve, Steve Massey's never done anything wrong. Okay, Oh, that's understandable. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'll talk to Lisa Jane and get that corrected. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, even when we do something wrong, I am a firm believer 
that the Lord is with us. It says in Romans, nothing can separate us from the love of God. What a great hope that no matter what happens in life, the Lord is with us. Our earthly desire is to avoid trials and struggles. Who's with me on that one? All the hands go up again. Yeah, good. Indeed, we tend to measure the quality of our salvation by our lack of problems. That's a bit of bad theology too, isn't it? Yet hope is not measured by the lack of trials, but what we learn about Jesus through them. Suffering produces endurance, and endurance shapes our character. The knowledge that Jesus has successfully led us through trials before reminds us that he will do it again. And I might just add there that he is with us again next time. This confidence in God's provision is the kind of hope which does not lead to disappointment. Has anyone heard of Psalm 23? Maybe I should ask anyone not heard of Psalm 23. Okay, we're about to. Psalm 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. What a great psalm. So much in that. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with Joseph. The Lord is with Paul. The Lord is with those four people going through such sad circumstances or hard circumstances. And the Lord is with you. Am I saying we shouldn't follow dreams or visions? You know, there's plenty in the Bible about, you know, the, I think it's in one of the songs we sang there tonight that the um, young will dream dreams and the old people like James will have visions. And, uh, you know, should we, should we discount them? No. But don't make them the thing. Don't make them the thing. It's the fact that the Lord is with you in all you're doing is what's going to get you anywhere and through all things. God is with us. You know, we can think, oh, but, you know, I've blown it. I was going to be doing this and I, oh, that, and I thought I had a dream to do this and it never come to pass. There's a really wonderful little one scripture in Philippians 1 6, and I can remember one day when I was truck driving in Gladstone and I was having a bit of a think about I really was getting sick of it and I thought there was you know what am I going to do on whatever age I was I think I was nearly 50 all I've pretty well ever done was truck driving you know what's the chances of getting a job anywhere else and 
you know, I thought I was going to go into some sort of ministry sometime and that hasn't worked. And, and I had um, Fresh FM, I think it was Rima back then, and they had this scripture. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You don't often see truck drivers cry. The embarrassing thing was I just pulled up to do a delivery. <laughs> so I walked in, how you going? Oh, good, oh, good. <laughs> just sign here, let me get out. How good is God? He is with us. The Lord is with you. Amen. Can we have the musicians and team up, please? Let's stand together. You know, we can be, there's no reason we can't stand with Paul and say that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because the Lord is with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all your wonderful promises. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. I thank you for the different places you take each and every one of us. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is so clear that you are with us. I thank you for the hope that we have in that. That we may be walking in that dark valley, as in that valley of death that is in Psalm 23, but you also say that you're with us. And we thank you for that. Thank you for the confidence we can take in that. And Father, may we also be understanding of others that are struggling, that we can encourage them that the Lord is with them, that he, he, he won't leave them, he hasn't left them, that he's there doing something. He's there with them. And they can look at the, his comfort and his strength. Again, we just thank you, we praise you, and we honour you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, team.
You make a way, whatever it takes There's nothing in love won't eat you I know that you are always up to something good